You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome to American Party. Uh, we have a very special guest today, uh, Dutch. We'll leave it at that for now. So we'll, we'll get into the rest later. I'm so yeah. special. Well, special is, you know, up to the the interpretation of whomever's whomever whoever's listening. Yeah. So the the biggest thing for me is this is special coming in here because this is sexy. You guys have got some cool shit going on here. Yeah. The good news <laughs> is we're moving it. <laughs> You just put all the knickknacks up, and then you got to move everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, these these sets are so long that it's they were built in here, so I'm not sure exactly how this is going to work. We have a full bar here. Yeah. Oh yeah. You have yeah. to move the whole bar. Well, we're moving to a new uh, studio location that one of the buildings, I think it's two three thousand square, square foot buildings. One of them will be uh, our podcast studios. We have like four or five different sets and shit like that, or six maybe, I don't remember. And then the other building is going to be a bar. So that'll make things a lot more, you know, alcoholic for us. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> you're a, um, a well-traveled individual. I've, I've done some traveling. Yeah, so uh, give me some of your backstory. I guess I, what I tell people in a, you know, in a, a regular bio, I'd say 31 years, United States Army. 26 of those years were a special operations community. I was a 175 Ranger. Mm. And then I went on to bigger and better things, quote unquote, made the jump to light speed and uh, went to JSOC as an operator for about 14 years. Finally retired in 2013, thinking that I would never carry a rifle or a pistol ever again in my entire life. Because uh, that's what you, I think you want to get away from that stuff maybe sometimes. You know? mm. And then, uh, so I opened up an off road company. It was DCM off-road. Off-road. What is that? What do you mean off-road? Off-road. So like if you, you build, like uh, Robbie Gordon off-road, like BJ Baldwin mm-hmm. Motorsports, like... Building trucks and shit? Yeah, man. We, we did a great... Souping up Jeeps. We did some great stuff. We lived where we... The company was right on the edge of Uwari National Forest, where there's a lot of extreme four-wheel drive there. ATVs, farmers. So there's all kinds of stuff like that going on. So we, we built a whole bunch of trucks. We built mine and... 
I basically took a 2010 Ford Raptor and dumped about 150K into it. <laughs> and it became super Raptor, more like a, like a class seven truck probably. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I tell everybody, I said, here's the thing. If you want to make two million, or you want to make a million dollars in that job, that business, mm-hmm. you start off with two million. Yeah. Because well, you break everything, you just break it. It's, uh, yeah. It's, it's like a boat bust out another thousand yeah, kind and, of situation. And if you're not part of the McMillans, the Baldwins, the, the, the Herbst, uh, Gordon family, you know, it's, you're, not, you're not making any money, man. No. I, and I was nobody. So we'd take our truck, we'd haul it from North Carolina to the desert. So that's already a logistical issue. And it would break. You'd break it, you'd break it, you'd break it, and you'd go back and fix it. And stuff is expensive. King Sharks are not cheap. Fox, you know, triple bypass rears are not cheap. Yeah. Uh, Deaver Springs, National Springs, not cheap. So anyways, yeah, so we did all that for just a minute or two. And then uh, a guy said to me, he said, hey, we have an opportunity. For, I, want, I want you and like four of your friends, I want you to come and get a brief. And I said, what's the brief on? He said, you just, just check it out. I said, okay, we'll go. So I went to this brief in a hotel room, and a guy said, hey, you can earn this much money by protecting case officers overseas for the agency. So I became a GRS guy for yeah. a certain amount of time, and that is a thankless job. I want to say godless because, you know, God's everywhere and all, but God bless America. It's a thankless job. Um, every time I would suggest something new or more smarter, let's do this thing smarter. Nope. Nope. We don't do it. We can't do that. Nope. What happens if the ammunition blows up in the gun? It's not going to blow up in the gun. It's, you, you know, hey, when I first got to my first station, I looked at my first 556 magazine and there was three kinds of ammunition in there. Three different kinds. Like what? What do you mean three? Like three different kinds. Like steel core fringe. Yeah, or yeah. So there was there was there was 55 grain in there. There was oh god. There was 855 green tip, which is 62 <laughs> yeah. grain, and then there was 77 grain open tip match. I said, why aren't we using one kind of ammunition? And then coming from where I came from, I'm like, yeah, we, we should use this really good ammunition that's optimized mm. for this kind of barrel. And, oh, by the way, it's got great terminal ballistics mm. and et cetera. And they said, no. Whatever blows up in the gun. It's not going to blow up in the gun. Why, so, why would it blow up in the gun? I don't know, man. They, they, there's rules and regulations, and it's a civilian-led force, so there you have it. You know, that's all there is to it. They don't think there's a box. They, they're in it. They, don't, they well, can't come out seen, of the box. We've seen the result of it, uh, well, I guess right around the time you were getting out of the uh, military in, in uh with the Benghazi situation where, <clears throat> I mean, I, I find it, I, there's, there's very little chance. I know a lot of uh, uh, people that have worked for GRS, very little chance that any of those guys were stepping on the toes on the Intel side, right? But it's very common that Intel people got involved in the security issue wouldn't they should not have been because that's not what they do yeah i mean it's not like i don't know why people get in pissing matches about that you know what i mean like you wouldn't go i don't know if you're the dishwasher and the cook don't get into arguments about how to cook food right either way that that applies either way so in intel the cook is the intel guy and when it's a security issue the cook is the security person right why would there should be no debate really like, if it's a matter of budget and shit like that, that is what it is. Sure enough. But that was not the case. Nope. Let me do my job. Just yeah. let me do my job. And, and, I, and, let, me, and let me tell you, I'll, there's some professionals in there. You know, there's a pipeline, and there's some guys 
shouldn't be there mm-hmm. and get it. But there's a lot, a lot of people fail upward in government services of all sorts, <laughs> right? But you know, make, let me make here. If you brought me on board, and I have X amount of experience from mm-hmm. a certain place, let me make it better. Let's can yeah. we make this better? No. It also makes it easier because people that are experts in, uh, like, site security and uh, 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 non-permissive environments, you don't learn how to just completely lock shit down. You learn how to do all the shit you need to do in a, the safest possible way, right? So there's there's a there's an efficiency element to it that could really benefit these dummies if they would just shut up and get the fuck out of the way. You know what I mean? Well, this is, isn't this typical of a, uh, of a larger problem with the United States government, let the people do what they do. Just protect them. Yeah. Just protect them. Get out of my way. This is Hank Reardon, right, from uh, Atlas mm-hmm. Shrugged. Just get out of my way. Can yeah. we do anything for you? Yeah, sure. sure. Get, get out of my way. I wonder if, uh, have, have people been making the, the Reardon, Elon Musk comparisons lately? Because, look, I've got a lot of issues with Musk and his dealings with China and shit like that, but there's yep. not, I, I feel like there's, there's two types of people uh, in the in the uh, billionaire class, uh, one of them is Bill Gates, right? Who's trying to he's trying to buy up resources that people need to live, like not not invest in them, but buy them, which is weird. Um, and then you have Musk, who's trying to create stuff and divorce people from government. Like I, I tend to lean towards one of those <laughs> over the other, right? Yeah. I mean, and nobody is is more. Uh, Distrustful is not the word, but um, skeptical of government than people who spend a lot of time working for them. I'll go with distrustful. Sure. Why <laughs> yeah. not? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, in, certain, in a lot of cases. I don't, yeah. I don't really care for politicians. Um, There's only 17 things, give or take, in the Constitution that says they cannot do. Right. They do millions of things they cannot yeah. do. They should not do. Yeah. Millions. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't... You go to Gates. I don't trust the medical world. Mm-hmm. I don't trust what he's doing. I don't trust... Our own medical professionals to tell us the truth because they're not. Yeah. I don't trust the well, government they, to they, tell us the truth because they're some. They have so much power. They're doing whatever yeah. they want to do. And it's it's uh, a lot of times. I don't think it's even about flexing power necessarily. They believe in the noble lie, which is these people are too dumb. Correct. So we yep. have to. Good and that, look, man, that's that that is how authoritarianism begins. Right. It's one of it's, it's multiple pathways. Either the person is pathological and lunatic that's a despot and the other one is like an overprotective mother it's like i don't know if you ever watched the show arrested development back in the day yeah but like they're lucille bluth right the crazy overprotective mom and the result is this zennial generation of buster bluths that, that have no life skills they can't do anything for themselves and their chief complaint politically right now is that the government fix this problem they have which is student loan debt right like that's their chief the chief complaint for them is to, hey, government, you need to do this. Like, that's not how this country was set up, bud. No. For the government to be bailing people out and shit. I mean, the, the government's not bailing people out anyway. It's other people. Yeah, At the yeah. point of a gun, you're giving yeah. your money to somebody else yeah. who thinks that they deserve either a reparation or a free education mm. or free health care. And that's not how this was, this not how this was, you know, genned up. This is not how this was put together. I actually uh, don't have a huge issue with making, like, subsidizing education provided it's actually doing what it's supposed to do, right? Like, if we're, for example, uh, because of all the the computer chip shortage bullshit, um, 
a big factory is being built. I think it's in Ohio right now. It's going to take a couple, like three to five years to build it. But in preparation for that three to five years, if there's a specific type of engineer or somebody or whatever it is, like maybe multiple things that need to exist and be well-trained to do that job, and the government's like, hey, we're going to give you tax breaks for training people to do that, down, do it. Because now you're contributing to the economy. You're doing the right thing. But if you're, if you're subsidizing like thirty, forty thousand dollars per year education so kids can go get brainwashed into a bunch of nonsense, fuck that. Like you this this is unacceptable. Well and the problem is too, what's the guarantee? Yeah, well there is never a guarantee. Nope. Otherwise it would be a security. But everything's a risk, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> it's just difficult. I mean I think that there are there could be some ways to help with those that can't I you know I I go back and forth. You know, if you if you can't pay then you don't play. Yeah. So that's just no. And the, oh, by the way, higher education, let's put quotes around that, air quotes and all. Higher education is not that much higher education. <laughs> and know. it depends on where you go and where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what happens, you know, look at Mike Rowe. Let's put stuff together for people who can do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you weld? Can you manufacture? Can you, can you look after the motors, right? Uh, if it's... ASC certified master technician, whatever, mm. and these five things. Why don't, you know, it's just there's so much more out there too that you can be more productive mm. and help out the, the society. At, you know, at well, large. But. We we tried to after the big manufacturing boom that brought women into the workplace during World War II when dudes were deployed and manufacturing continued until we started doing these uh, Southeast Asian deals. Basically. Now we decided that we're going to transform into an information economy. Okay, that's that's okay, but it it always turns out to be an information and service economy, right? And what happens is information changes quickly. It changes faster than uh, than than people are, are able to keep up, like in an educational pipeline. So you got to be really flexible. You have to think ahead, and be smart, and that's just not how it's done here. It's it, we're a big ship. And it takes a lot to turn that motherfucker around. And it's, uh, you know, it's why we shouldn't leave things to the government in the first place. Like, they're inefficient. They're slow at everything. They suck at everything. I I always tell people, like, hey, you want the government um, running your health care or being involved in your business or something? Go to the DMV. Go through that process and then tell me you want the government involved yeah. in anything. Help yourself. Like that's... Oh well, they don't create. That's the thing too. People think they, they need to create jobs. They need to create... They don't create anything. Mm-hmm. So they need to just get out of the way. They need to make sure that the people are protected and the economic engine of the free people continues to, to be you know, thriving. Yeah, 100%. Um, well, we went from... A quick bio into heavy politics already. Well, it happens. <laughs> uh, so let's get back to the bio then. Um, you were, uh, uh, after 9-11, you were one of, uh, you were over there pretty quick, I guess. The towers came down on September 11th, of course, and October 17th, I'm pretty sure. It was the 19th or 17th. I'm pretty sure it's the 17th. October 17th was the... Uh, was the first strike back. So horse soldiers, eh, they're in there too, but they're not mm. the first ones. Um, longest air assault raid in military history so far. Longest, like time-wise? Yeah, and uh, length, uh, sorry, miles to mm. get from A to B. I yeah. see. 
Uh, that was uh, was my first exposure to you know you know. You as a soldier, you know, okay, what do you sign up for? But not just as a soldier, you know, okay, so somebody wants to join the Army as a uh, 11 guy. So mm-hmm. so for those of you out there, 11 Bravo infantrymen, or you go to, what's, what's Marines, 0-300? Uh, uh, 300 series, so, so 0311, 21, 31. <clears throat> so, you know, you, I get it. As a young man, do you expect to go to war, right? So my first joining the Army, I thought, you know, I wanted to go to war. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a tanker. I wanted to to see armored warfare because yeah. I studied it in school. So I was one of those weirdos who really wanted to test my mettle. Mm. But none, it never never did happen until October of 2001. Right. Yeah. So and they, that wasn't, was that a part of Anaconda or was that something different? No, that was, that was the beginning. Uh, I don't know. I wonder oftentimes, I have other friends, I wonder when the names become declassified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah, there was two operations, actually. Mm-hmm. One was the initial strike, and then one was a follow-on, mm-hmm. where we dismantled the Taliban forces uh, using like reconnaissance and air assets, mm-hmm. and we were all involved in that. And, uh, it was a long-range uh, mobility deployment yeah. as well. That was, uh, and, uh, yeah, but I, I know the names, so I don't know if I can... I'll just not name the names, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we had... Uh, yeah, there were some kinetic operations, some DA stuff going on, and then we had basically... Uh, some agency dudes and some tier one dudes sitting on top of mountains. Yeah. Slow flamming some targets and yep. knocking them out. It's, you can read, there's a good, Anaconda is in a book. I can't remember the name of the book. It may be Operation is it the Nailer? Anaconda. Is it uh, the yeah, Nailer yeah, book? yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. a Good Day to Die? Uh, hold on. Not a Good Day to Die was about Roberts Ridge, right? I don't know if, uh, I don't know. But Nailer's suspect too, right? So I don't know where he gets all his... Info. Um, um, but I'll tell you though. It, let's go back to that real quick. Though. Yeah, yeah. The, the vision of a young man thinking, "Okay, we're good." Now I'm more mature now that I'm here. Okay, yeah, blah blah blah. I've been a ranger, mm. done a lot of live fire stuff. Okay, sure, sure. But when you're flying, well, what you were in what, this what, bus? When did the, you? Uh, you were uh, uh, in battalion right out of basic. Yeah. So my convoluted story was. Basic training in mm. 1982. Armor crewman, 19 Echo, so there's an mm. M60A1 and A3 series tanks. Those were uh, life cycle replaced by the M1 in 1985 mm. and 1986. Which is still our main battle tank, yeah. and it's, a, it's still a really good one. Too. Yeah, it's badass. <laughs> um, how, how crazy is that? It, that's, that tank is almost 40 years old now, and it's still the best tank in the world. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. Anyways. Well, look at the SR-71. They don't even fly that. They don't even make it anymore. It was badass. Um, Yeah, so 86, I get out of the Army, disillusioned with command. It was the Army from the 80s. It was drug rampant. It was non-discipline. It was bad. Have you seen that movie, Buffalo Soldiers? Nope. It's uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. It's really, you should watch it. It it may give you flashbacks, actually, of how corrupt and fucked up military commands were back then. I also just want to know if it's true that the only way to not get high on uh, cooking heroin or something is to eat, like, 30 hamburgers or whatever they were doing at the end. I don't know. I think maybe they were just high and had the munchies, <laughs> to be honest. Um, yeah, but maybe a mask also. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so you, you get out in 86, you said? Yeah, I got out in 86, and, and you know, like I said, disillusioned. I didn't know really anything about Army infantry. I didn't know anything about Special Forces, Rangers. I didn't really 
I, I, I read some books, but yeah, I was like, man, I want to be an armor guy. You know, mm. I want to be a crew. I, I, I stood the, at the gate at Fulda Gap. Mm. Fulda Gap is, you know, is where everybody says this is where the Russian horde is going to come through. Yeah. That was our alert cycle. You'd mm. go to the, the Fulda Gap and sit there. Um, what uh, East Berlin? That was cool. East Germany. East what Berlin. city is that? Uh, that is it the same place where cat? What, what what city is it in Germany? That base. The one, the armor base that we have in Germany. There's well, for, there's there's two right because one of them is calf scouts and shit like that, and then the other one is straight up armor, right? For, as far be, as I know, there used to be a whole bunch of well, there was different ones, and I don't, you know, I'm sure Mannheim and doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Coleman Barracks and Sullivan Barracks is where I grew up in I Germany. Coleman is what I'm thinking about. Um, that was by a big prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Eighth Infantry Division mechanized, which doesn't exist anymore. But, you know, there was Baumholder and Grafenveer and all those places are still training areas that still exist. I don't, I don't think they've gone away. Hohenfeltz. But I oh, Hohenfeltz. That's the one, yeah. Well, no, no. Hohenfeltz is the one with all the cap scouts. Quite yeah. possibly. I don't yeah. Know. Anyways, I don't know. The Army changes shit up. Anyways, so you get out in 86, <laughs> tired of all that bullshit. Yeah, so I'm thinking I'm just going to go be, you know, a bartender or a UPS supervisor. Yeah. And you saw, com- like that. you saw Commando with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and the Predator and whatever else. But um, Yeah, so I, I just, I, somewhere in there I had a switch and I said, you know, I just need to get back into the Army. I, I missed it. Mm. And then uh, the Gulf War started mm. and then I missed everything. And I'm watching the, I'm, I was living in Cleveland at the time, working for a, a computer company. I was a shipping supervisor. Yeah, very exciting. And uh, a, guy, a guy named Eddie Savage is on television being interviewed by a guy mm-hmm. on CNN saying, how, how was that tank gunfight? I'm like, you son of a gun. Man, you, you, you got it. I missed it. Mm-hmm. So I launched uh, back and I tried to get into the bear program, which was keep your rank and go back into the special forces. It didn't work out for me. This uh, was like pre-18X Ray, right? But yeah. that, was the, that was the predecessor to 18X Ray. I think it was, yeah. yeah. And some, it was a f- good friend of mine, Fred, said he, he knew the acronym. I don't even know what mm. it was anymore. Man, and it's, I started preparing. So I went, I, I got scuba gear. I did my open water cert in Lake Erie. I jumped out of airplanes on my own. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went back and they said, well, this program doesn't exist for you anymore. You can't go. So I went to a recruiter. He said, yeah, sure. I'll get you to Ranger Battalion as a chaplain's assistant or a cook. I said, I don't want either one of those. Long story short, man, convolution came all together and I got it back in as a, an 11 series. Uh, I was in the 30th AG there where the... Yeah, that's where I was. Yeah, yeah where all the kids go. Depending, yeah. And they said, oh, you're 11 Mike. And I said, uh, I've been mechanized, man. I don't want that anymore. Mm. So I ended up getting a new contract, and I ended up getting a Ranger contract. Mm. And I, so, so I wasn't an import into Ranger Battalion. I became, like, reborn again through the basic training process. Right, yeah. Yeah. So and did you have to go back through the entire OSID situation? I had or? to go back through a lot of it. Oh, yeah. my God. That's, well, it is what it is. I was at E6, <laughs> and then I got busted out of E4. How, how long was your break in service? Five and a half, um, five years. So if it's like within two years, nothing changes. But if, you're, if it's over two years, you have to do everything again. Yeah, I stayed like. affiliated with National Guard units. It was an armor unit in Pennsylvania. I stayed associated with, and then I went. I was associated with uh, an SF unit in uh, in West Virginia, 19th Group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I stayed affiliated. So I got the time and service, but I didn't. Not the rank, yeah. It's yeah, weird. not the rank. So for pay, I did. So and, and it was funny, man. I, there was some funny times as I figured, I knew, man, I was going to go through the whole thing. I'm going to go through this whole thing. Mm. I'm done with it. I'm good. I'm good. I'll do it. And then uh, they found some paperwork, said you didn't have to do all of it. I had to do basic rifle marksmanship. Then I got 
transferred to another element that was going through advanced individual training. So, mm. And then I went to airborne school and rip and boom, 175. I got to 175 in 92 and a half, 93, somewhere in there. Had they changed? Uh, was airborne school all in uh, tennis shoes? By then, or were you no still boots. Using, you were still running in jump boots? I was running boots. Fuck that shit, dude. I like it. I, it's not that bad. Like the running pace is really slow. I think it's kind of hard on your knees, though. Oh sure. And when boots, it's got to be worse. Like I'm there's sure no support in those things. Fuck that shit. That's <laughs> we <laughs> hard, man. Back when you were hard. Yeah. When I went, we wore fucking tennis <laughs> shoes, um, which I was glad for. Well, what was the other double standard? Was you know you can't if they told you if you did not if you refused to jump out of the uh, the fake airplane the yeah. uh, the bodies yeah. then you would never go further. So there's a there's a female captain from 18th Airborne Corps and she refuses to jump out of the platform. So right away, where oh, she's getting busted. Well, yeah. Saw her a week later. She's back at it. Yeah. There's uh we we had a <laughs> stop it. We had some, so usually when you get, if you get recycled out of airborne school, you go to this holding unit for a minute and then you can come back later provided that, um, you didn't get, you didn't quit. Like if you get dropped for some reason or medical or something, you can go rehab, come back. But, uh, a lot of these officers would be out towards the end of, of ground week and then show back up the next week in, mm-hmm. in tower week i'm like oh that's cool and yeah, don't make a rule <laughs> don't make a rule if you're gonna if you're gonna just just blow it off yeah whatever anyway that's that's how it goes though <laughs> it is how it goes. um sadly so you're uh you went where did you go 175 yep i was uh bico second platoon 175 and then i did a small stint at headquarters platoon as like a weapons platoon sergeant basically mm-hmm. is what i was and uh then i went off to to the to the mothership, I, went, I made the jump to light speed and, and got out of there. I failed selection once, came back, uh, made it the second time, and they granted me uh, the ability to come back. You know, so I did it twice. Yeah, well, no. Uh, so, do you do you mind saying why? Did they tell you why? Oh no, I don't mind at all. Yeah, did they tell you why they cut you the first time? Because well, people don't understand how tier one selections, the cadre is. You, that's the people you're going to be working with, right? And a lot of kids. I mean, yeah, you don't know that as a student. Yeah, you don't yeah. know that, but the, there's supplemental people around. I guess everybody kind of knows it now because it's been discussed so much. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> back then, nobody fucking knew that, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't so know. So you're getting selected by the dude you're actually going to work with. Sometimes it's just like, oh, we got a guy like that already. You know what I mean? So if they typically would, if they, what my understanding is, if they tell you to come back, it means you're good enough to do this, but we don't need you on our team specifically. No, I would say no. Okay. So I would say no. So tell me your story. Then. And when you say the guys, you mean the guys that are immediately doing the thing are going to be the guys working with you? That's, that's not possible either. Okay. So there's just too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's, there's a whole process. Uh, you, well, certainly anybody who's conducting the, the thing could be interested in the guy. Oh, I'm interested in Dan. Yeah. yeah. But, but that doesn't mean he's going to be there. Um, there are. <laughs> so when you were, when you were, uh, running and gunning you guys kind of keep an eye on the pipeline as well like almost like scouting draft picks and shit. oh yeah that's that's really interesting oh yeah there's really there's interesting. and there's there's a there's no good old boy network that's never mm-hmm. gonna happen right because the process doesn't work that way but when and it's a fantastic process to me if you ask me but if there there are there's certainly you know it'd be like if i was already there and i said you, you gotta check out dan he's Check him out. Let's see if I can't convince him to try. And then, but everything's the same. You know what I mean? So you don't have all those variables. Nothing's about 
brotherhood and emotions and stuff like that. Mm. It's, can you do these things? Mm. If you can, you can. If you can't, you cannot. Um, and that's the thing. So when you go back to your initial question, is it's about, I don't know what it is about time. Somewhere there's time involved in it. Mm. If you can't make these certain things to do these things in a certain time frame, then you, you just will not be. But if you're not a clown, if you're not a, a slacker, mm. if you don't do things in a stupid manner, then it's possible to be, any, and, you're, and your packet looks good enough, mm. and you may be invited back. So mm. that's the key. There's an exit interview, and hey, look, you know, you're not the kind of guy we're looking for, or right. you are the kind of guy you're looking for. Just get your shit straight the next time. Yeah. Well, one of my buddies, was, that's pretty much how it was. Like, hey, you've, you were good, but this one particular thing, you got to improve on. Come back in a year or two years or whatever the fuck. And they did, and he's, he's there now. I so. went back to right next, the next one. And, oh, you went right back to back. Uh, right back. Yeah, that's, that's rough on your body. <laughs> the, well, I overtrained without a doubt. You, this, there's, no, there's no G2 here, man. There's no intel for this. There isn't any. Yeah. And, if, and if people give intel to this, they're, they're jackasses. It's, uh, it's the, it is certainly the, the most physically the hardest thing I've ever done in my mm. entire life, period. Um, but I overtrained mm. and you know, somebody would say, all you need to do because you're already a ranger, you're already fit. Just do these couple things and you'll, you'll be all right, mm. man. <laughs> I overtrained. I ran myself into trouble. Uh, if you pay attention and if you're capable and you pay attention, you can, you know, you can do it, but mm. it's uh, without a doubt the hardest thing I've ever done. So what year was it when you, uh, started working for JSOC? 99. So right before some shit went down, 99. it was kind of, uh, when I don't, I don't know. You were in Ranger Bat before. Did they do uh, a lot in Kosovo and Serbia and shit? Like, what, yeah. did you deploy there? No, Pifwick. Uh, so I missed one. I missed. I would have been on one, and I missed it. Those are Pifwick missions. Mm. People indicted for war crimes. Mm. Pifwick. Um, and yeah, we had our hands in some of that. And so in 2000, I'm getting. We're getting ready to do this. We're going to do this mission. Mm. And uh, we bring a car down, and we have a new uh, device. And it's a hollow-charge weapon. It's fired from your rifle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't recycle your rifle, so you fire the thing, and recycle your rifle, go back, go back to work. It's a hollow-charge weapon designed to uh, be a standoff door-breaching tool. Okay. Uh, the Israelis design it. It's called a Simon device. All right, Dutch, give me a sec. Let me do some ads right quick. Uh, first up, Ghostbed. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles, where you get a mattress and an adjustable base, and anything else you add to that order, including the sheets. Uh, the uh, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket, the pillowcases, the pillows, all that stuff. Otherwise, if you need to get any one of those individual items, you'll get 30% off if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. As you know, every mattress comes with a 20-year warranty, sometimes 25. Every mattress is cooling, and, and as are the sheets and pillows and pillowcases, uh, by the way. They get the 35 uh, uh, dollar a month deal basically depends on what you put on there obviously but if you go zero down zero percent financing for uh up to 60 months by the way you can get your mattress for about 25 35 bucks a month so check it out at ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros next up lucy look we're all adults here and i know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax focus or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a more, uh, modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year. Why not start out by switching to a new nicotine product that you can feel good about? Um, 
Also, I have to read this disclaimer. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Uh, remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co. That's L-U-C-Y dot C-O. And be sure to use the promo code AMERICAN. And uh, you'd shoot this thing from 30 feet, bam, blow the door down, bam, you have a, you have a breach. Standoff breaching map. From 30 feet? Yeah, stuff like that. It was wow. even more. It was even more. It was, it, was, it was a nice tool. That's nice to not get, like uh, my buddy Derek Wida got shot through the knee going through the front door of a place. That's pretty common to get, to, to, you know, get contact. The portal's the most dangerous yeah. place. Yep, yep. Yeah. Portal's the most That's dangerous place. So it's, it was a cool device. It's old, so it's, this, there's, no, this is, you know, there's no secret here. Mm. So... It had a plunger on it, right? A long plunger that would help the uh, the, the device stay stable, and then it would arm it or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so we decided we're going to say, "What happens if we use this on a car?" Because mm-hmm. we're going to stop a car. What happens if we lay down the spike strip and the car doesn't stop? Mm-hmm. So let's see what it does. Let's see what it does to the motor and the front wheels. Well, we took it downrange and we blasted it onto this car, and it worked quite well. Mm-hmm. It blew the you know wheels in half. It disabled the motor. We were good. So we went back, and, and my particular team's mission changed and said, if this car gets through, then everybody gets the good news. Mm. Everybody gets it. I'm like, well, that's easy. So now let's go back downrange and see what targets, what happened to the targets on the inside of the car if we shoot the A pillar or the B pillar. Right, so you just put dummies with yeah. shot. Targets, yeah. just targets. Yeah. You want to see what happens. Mm. So we do that. And again, this is a brand new device. Mm. I've shot this thing once, maybe twice. And we line up on the car and we shoot it. And the door comes back and smashes me in the face. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, <laughs> have you guys seen that video where the, the dude shoots Tannerite in a, in a refrigerator and oh, the fucking door comes back at him? Yeah. Yeah. Misses him by like yeah. inches. Yep. Inches. Yeah. And, and uh, like by a tree or something like that. He's by a tree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, that was the thing. That's why I missed the mission because mm-hmm. I broke my neck, I broke my jaw, and I lost six teeth. I got criked. Um, I had a massive hematoma on the left side of my face. So they were like, "Yeah, you know, you, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you're in the concussion protocol, I think, at that point." <laughs> um, but it worked out. So, so you, but you, uh, ninety-nine. You're uh, you're over there, and can you describe the process? Um, When when uh, the towers went down, things spooled up pretty quickly. We were like training a matter of days. We were training with a hell matter of hours. Mm-hmm. We were training with a hand to hand combat expert. You may know this name, Tony Blower. Mm-hmm. And we, we were upstairs, and I had just actually after the <laughs> after the the neck thing, and then we trained for a while. I had to have a back surgery. Mm-hmm. So I, then I had a, a laminectomy, discectomy, my first back surgery, and then. Uh, so I was kind of just taking it easy. I was on the edge of recovering, full recovery, do what mm-hmm. you want. So uh, we're up there training upstairs, and a guy comes up the ladder and says, hey, a plane ran into the towers. I'm like, ah, that's crazy, right? That's a bummer. All right, keep training. Mm. I mean, like, shit like that happens. Sure. Sometimes. We're thinking a small airplane. Yeah, yeah. We never, yeah. Nobody said a word. Yeah. The dude, the, the reporter that said, this is a... An airplane. Nobody. Mm-hmm. We all just thought, oh yeah, probably a sightseeing small airplane, helicopter, maybe a New York police, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a bummer. That's crazy. You know. Moments later, of course, he comes back upstairs and says, "A second plane has hit the second tower. Yeah, we're at war." Mm-hmm. And so, all right, Tony, get out. <laughs> Training's over. Everybody, and the whole yeah, we're 
on fire. I mean, on at, the, fire. at the time, there weren't a whole lot of uh, specifically counterterrorism unit designed units. Like now, there's a lot of uh, not not a lot, but now there's a, like a a greater attention paid to that sort of thing. I, I think, think you're right. Yeah, sure. But back then, it was like. You guys, there's a couple and a couple of others. Yeah, that, some Navy SEALs, yeah. and some of us, and, and some agency dudes. Agency dudes, yep. Yeah. That, right. that was pretty much it then. Now we have, like, I mean, like the Marine Corps Muse are trained in some of this stuff now, right? Just, just to be an aggressive force so we can infill operators. And there's all kinds of shit that goes on now. But back then, it was interestingly enough, and this is why I don't think. We discuss your guys' early operations enough. They're so incredible in how effective they were, despite the fact that it seems like everybody kind of knew that that's what was going to happen, right? We, anybody that had good intel on us knew what assets we had to, to do that. And all of our I've, – I've made this – the first few years of uh, Afghanistan and Iraq from the big Army infantry side were kind of fucked because – you didn't have a whole lot of, one, you didn't have any staff NCOs, and two, you didn't have any field-grade officers that had been in real combat before, like at any point. Yeah, there, I, there, there were a couple from This is what NATO. happens, right? This is, as we cycle through, yeah. real combat is what happens. Yeah. We had a couple. We had some from Grenada, some from Panama, but limited, right? And, and most of those were either paratroopers, rangers, or, you know, tier one people. And then... Uh, Gulf War, but limited, yeah. like limited infantry style combat in that situation, and and it didn't look like if I was planning against the U.S. in that scenario, I feel like it would not not be easy to achieve goals, but definitely you know what pieces are on the board, and that's not always to your advantage when the enemy knows everything you've got going on. Uh, so I think the success of uh, Anaconda and some of those other missions was, it, it, it doesn't, I mean, some of it's still, we don't talk about it openly as much. So maybe that, that'll come later on. I hope some right? of it will come out. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. But it's, it's like that, that, that is a, that, that six month period from October until whatever the fuck, uh, I guess March of 20 or 2002 was pretty impressive. Like, a lot of really impressive shit happened then. We were managing resources really well, making friends. I mean, we, we had the Northern Alliance, you know, using, using yeah. those guys. I, I'm, I guess as a, uh, a student of military history, I'm, I'm, or maybe it's just because I'm getting old and I want to watch World War II history all the time. I'm just waiting for the like real documentaries about some of this shit. I'd like to see some too. I really would. Like something that really captures the entire thing, because there was a lot of cool shit going on then. Uh, A lot of cool shit. And now you know we've found out again today some declassified documents this week uh, have confirmed the fact that the Saudi government was involved. In yeah, I heard that too last week or so. There yeah. was some talk about it last week or the week before. Some government official or whether it was mm. photographed with yeah. one of the other cats. Just a guy that was here in America financing these cells, basically. And he was a like a direct employee of the government. That's That seems like something that we should care about. Do we? Do you, you want to see my shock face, though? Yeah, right. 
Oh boy, it's a whole other you know wormhole to go into. Is the who the real players are and you know the Wahhabi type of mindset, mm. the you know the the Mujahideen type of mindset. Uh, but it's you know not just the extremists, but there's a man. There's, if you look in the book. If you look, this is controversial, right? Mm. People MF you all the time about whatever, and I don't care. But if you look to the book, it's, you know, it's it's formed of subjugation. You know, the particular religion itself, it comes to other countries through subjugation. Not yeah. through love, my friend. Not through love. No, no. through subjugation. And, uh, you that's, know. That's been a, that, that's, so whenever there's some um, authoritarian element, that's always going to happen. Yep. And that's how, like, the, a lot of these uh, primarily Muslim countries still the, the arbiter of truth and reality and the conduit to God, whomever you call God, is the state, right? That's how Rome was. That's how England, Spain, a lot of countries over the years have been like that. And it's always pretty much ended up the same. I mean, that's why medieval Europe kept all their people illiter- illiterate. So they would have to go to the state or the church to get all their information. And the difference is they're still doing it, like in, like in a pretty big way. Oh, slavery's you know I mean? rampant. Yeah. Uh, but, it's, yeah, it's, it's what, what I want you to know. I'll, yeah. let, you, I'll let you know. Yeah. It. But, I mean, you can, you can feel uh, what's happening in America right now with the, the censorship and the managed consent and, and all that stuff, the programming that's going on. That is, a, you know— it's an effort towards the same end. Whether, it's, whether you think it's noble or not, the result of that type of behavior is the same. And it is the mental subjugation of, your, of the people you're supposed to be taking care of, which I find to be inappropriate, I guess. It's inappropriate. A, it's a good word. It's a soft word for that. I did a contract uh, in Saudi Arabia, and I worked with the uh, Saudi Arabian Royal Guard. Mm-hmm. We delivered uh, animals. We trained animals from Germany. We took animals with us, and me and another guy. <clears throat> I was a subcontractor for a larger company, and uh, you know we it was it was free, but we had to be with a guy all the time. Yeah, yeah. It was you know we couldn't drive anywhere. He had to make us. You know he couldn't go. And we had to go that way. It was diet coke and coffee. It was all was all my, my the entire contract. Um, you know it was. Uh, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it. Again. No, not there. No shit. No. It's not like uh, Jordan or. Uh, uh, or shit, even the UAE. Like, if you're a white person, they don't really care if your booze ended up and shit. Matter of fact, there's some pretty good bars and restaurants over there. <laughs> but Saudi Arabia doesn't. They don't nope, do that. they don't play. Which is interesting because the royal family isn't particularly orthodox. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know much about them, so I can't speak to it. But well, from the guys I know that have worked with them on the Secret Service side. Um, Whenever they travel in massive entourages, they usually will buy out like an entire floor of a hotel so nobody can see what the fuck's going on there. Yep. And it is just a free-for-all. Well, isn't this the same reasoning behind, so, you know, the dictator, mm. right? The dictates are for you, not for him. Yeah, rules And the socialism, you. socialism is for the social, for the people rather, not for the socialist. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, he, he makes the rules and it's the same, just like you said, you know, earlier in the conversation, once you put the thumb on them, you know, you yeah. do, what, do what I say. Yeah, it's uh, you know too bad that we're not still in. Um, and, and I and almost say this jokingly, but it's wars of conquest are pretty much over, I guess, except for whenever Putin gets bored. Um, 
but King uh, Abdullah in Jordan is a pretty legit dude. And his, his son's also a pretty legit dude. He's, the, he's got the Western wife, right? Yeah. Is she American wife? I think so, yeah. Uh, I can't remember her name. Uh, la, 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 la. Don't matter. Raina. That's her. Rainia, something like that. Anyways, she, uh, they not only do they run a, a good country, right? Uh, their intelligence service is so fucking good. Roger, it's, yep. in my opinion, the best in the Middle East, probably. It's, it's them and Israel are probably fucking neck and neck there. Which is interesting. It would be. It's too bad that Jordan didn't take over all that stuff instead of the Kingdom of Saud and, and all this other stuff because they would have done a much better job. Um, maybe, right? There's, it's always maybe an intel. You never know. Um, so, <clears throat> how much can you discuss about your level of involvement post towers falling down? Because those are really interesting stories people like, but I don't want to jam you up. Yeah, no, no, you're good. So, you know, uh, team member operator, really, that's it, right? So, again, uh, I'll tell you a small story that is of no consequence. Mm. Longest air assault rating in the history of uh, military warfare. When you're sitting in the back of the airplane, and I, I think I, I got rid of three piss bags <laughs> on the flight, uh, refuel. Heading in towards target, you're a nap of the earth flying, right? mm-hmm. you're over top of the train, and you're looking, I'm looking outside of the helicopter. And it's like, you know, then it's, you know, now we have uh, white phosphorus, uh, it's a much better mm-hmm. night vision, but there it's, it was green, my world was green. I'm looking out there and I see a gun truck, and the gun truck is shooting at us. <laughs> and you're like, huh, something just got real. Mm. Listen, sure, this is real shit here. Yeah. That gun truck is up there and he's shooting tracers. You can see it. Was it like, a disco or some shit? I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. Probably. Mm. I, I, would, I would imagine so. Uh, when we got back, the, our helicopter had holes in it. Um, so that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. <laughs> and you're just like, wow, how about that? So that's it, when it got real for you. It all worked out. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. it was certainly something to think about, right? You know, I had a job to do. I was the assistant breacher. Mm. And I had a job to do. Once we got out of the helicopter, we moved to the wall. To we we're going to blow down a wall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was told that there were numerous shots impacting the wall. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest with you, I, I never saw those. Mm-hmm. I was focused on one thing: helping my man put this giant charge up on the wall so we could get through the wall. Yeah. That was all I wanted to do. So I was I was primarily focused on that. My spatial awareness was probably not as high as it should have been, but I was like, oh, we gotta get this right, man. We gotta get yeah. this right because this if we can't get in, then you can't get the job mm-hmm. done. So that's all I want to do right now. Um, yeah. So it was that uh, was, but it was honestly the target itself was actually quite lame. Uh, it was more like a training target. There was nobody was there. They all left. Mm. All left. Uh, whether they had underground stuff, tunnels, whatever, they all departed. Um, it was a great hit, though. Then in the end, you know, when you're preparing for Xville, you hear, whoosh, whoosh, and a guy said, what is that? And I said, those are rockets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the ones you don't want to be on the other end of. Yeah. You don't want to hear that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Um, but my involvement, I mean, just evolution of me just throughout the whole entire thing. You know, mm-hmm. 10, 10, 12 combat missions, but 10, uh, I say missions, 10 tours. Mm-hmm. 10 tours would carrying a rifle right the other two were a liaison type i finished my last liaison type tour in 12, uh, 2012 when uh when bin laden was killed 
Um, yeah, but mostly a nug. Mostly a nug. In the uh, beginning, right? Yeah. Shit. yeah. Which, which is interesting because I'll, there, were, there were quite a few tier one dudes who saw their first combat like in when it fucking mattered. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Which is, that's super interesting. That's like a dude getting drafted in his first NBA game. He's a fucking playoff game. You know what I mean? I, I guess to some degree it's always like that because combat, you either win or die. But uh, it's another, another reason I think we should reexamine the first couple of years and, and, and try to mimic everything we got right there. Well, just like are you we, mentioned before, though. You aren't, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was say, are we seeing that now in the Russian invasion of Ukraine? I mean, their tactics are fucking dumb. They, they still fight like it's World War II, and you can't do that anymore. With tech, like, they, you, you make a move, you push into the country, right, and you keep their two major cities busy, you try to knock out their communications and blah, 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 but when Elon Musk can just launch a satellite and they now have communication again, what the fuck? It's, that's, maybe they didn't see that coming, but that's a failure of intelligence. And the fact that they, so there, I can't remember who it is. There's some general that says uh, tactics and strategy win battles, but logistics wins wars, right? Yeah. And the Russians suck at moving shit around. That would be the one thing you think they would be good at. Well, the army's not very professional. No. Right. We know that for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I think when it comes to a total war strategy, so Mr. Putin wants part of the land back. Yep. Or he wants to bring the band back and make Ukraine part of Warsaw Pact. I don't right, know. But, but he's like, he's also fighting that battle on a 50 year timeline if he has to, right? Like he doesn't, they, people, Americans think in terms of four year presidencies and nobody else in the world thinks like that. So we are like, Oh, they're losing. Like, are they the I mean, next political he, cycle? Yeah, yeah. It's like in 2014, they took Crimea. Now they're going to take uh, some territory uh, to the West of that and yep. secure water lane right there. Uh, and they're going to take, the Don or maintain the Donbass and, and Donetsk and Luhansk. They're going to take all that natural gas. That that will be the result of this war. If anybody's out there and still curious about that, and then six or ten years from now they'll do some something else. They'll come down from Belarus and take those uh, uh, take the nuclear or uh, what is it? What is that fucking reactor they have? It's a decommissioned reactor. Chernobyl? Chernobyl? No. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, right. no. There's another. There's a decommissioned reactor somewhere in northern Ukraine, but it's sitting on top of one of the most, one of the largest undug natural gas reserves in the world that we huh. know about. Right? That'll be the next one. It'll be like ten years from now. This this stuff is. We can see it coming, which I understand. I'd like to get your thoughts on this as a, as a guy that did CT. I we, think it's in Kharkiv. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere up there, yeah. It's, that's the other decommissioned one that's in the north is in Kharkiv. Yeah, there's like a huge, like one of the largest natural gas resources that hasn't been tapped yet is there, or somewhere thereabouts. They need to control that territory. Um, but in 91, Soviet Union falls, and we say we're not going to expand NATO, right? That's, that was what the U.S. said to... to help Gorbachev, you know, blah, blah, blah. So obviously we pretty much immediately started expanding NATO. Because uh, <laughs> politicians lie? Because fuck you. I mean, but it's, 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 that's the other part of it. Our system of government is that it's a new dude in charge. So he doesn't necessarily have to keep old agreements, and we didn't. Uh, uh, now, I don't think that's a reason to invade 
Ukraine, and I don't think they're, I don't think Russia's doing it because they think that the West is going to come into Russia at some point. They're doing it because they want that oil and gas. That's why they're doing it. Okay, if they want this oil and gas, though, they've, they've made more revenue mm. in the last two months yeah. than they did five months prior to the invasion. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- what's, you know, what's happening there? Uh, uh, well, I mean, so Germany quickly found out that it can't stop buying their shit. Yeah. Well, unless, unless they buy American shit. Yeah, or, well, we're not producing That's it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or they can go to OPEC, and Germany's not too keen on that either. Nope. Um, so... Russia's got a lot of people by the balls, and that's a situ- another situation we, re- we created. But I wonder, I mean, shit is what it is now, and the, the, the most likely uh, uh, end to this is that Russia will control the East, the international community will be butthurt for a while, but they need their oil and they need their wheat and their natural gas, so they can't really do anything. What do we do between the end of this one and the start of the next one, whatever the next move is, whether it's uh, the north from Belarus to Kharkiv or whatever. What do we do to, I mean, I know the agency wants to do proxy shit to destabilize Russia, but Russia comes out swinging when it gets destabilized. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, that's their response to it. So is that a smart thing to do? Russia themselves, I think the Russian people are paranoid. Um, you, I want to go back to what you said about empire. Mm-hmm. So the days of empire are pretty much yeah. over. World War II finished the age of empire. Mm. Japanese could no longer seek empire. Mm. The Germans could certainly no longer seek empire. The Russians no longer, you know, that you ended up with NATO and Warsaw Pact, mm. but the, the West wasn't part of empire anymore. England, England lost all her empire, almost all of it when World War II finished. Now, the Russian people though, I think they're paranoid. I think the Russian oligarchs are paranoid, but the, the, the leadership is paranoid. People are paranoid. They've been, People have been trying to dismantle Russia for a long time. If you look through all, all the way all the way back through history, and they're probably paranoid about this too. Um, and look, I'm not a Russian apologist by any means. You, you know, uh, what was Kamala Harris? Would she say, "Big country invaded little country. Big country bad. Little country good." Right. So let's put the basics out. No, it's not good to invade your neighbors. I yeah. got it. Um, but at the same time, he's not even doing it in a total war way. You mentioned uh, Elon Musk. Mm. Yeah, he set up uh, the internet service with his uh, satellites. Mm. It wouldn't matter if Putin really wanted a total war. Right, yeah. He yeah. hasn't done it. No. He hasn't, he hasn't gone. He's, he's almost done this with kid gloves, yeah. and he's getting smacked in the face. That's why I don't think, um, like, I don't buy all this hype about chemical, nuclear, biological war from them. Like, why, what, for what purpose? Like, why would Russia do that and invite the ire of the entire international community? Like, they're, they're not, I don't even, I wouldn't even say they're on thin ice right now. They're just kind of being dicks. They're, you know what I mean? Like, I, and I don't mean to marginalize what they're doing. What they're doing is fucked up and they're killing a lot of people. But as far as international consequences go, this is middle level. This isn't high level yet. Like, despite all the rhetoric you've heard, there's no will anywhere to, like, just all of a sudden start invading Russia or anything like that, no. right? Like, there's no will to do That's that. That's World War Three. Yeah, and Putin knows that as well as anybody. And the way he's conducted this war so far, which is taking, and I know they don't really value human life the same way you do, but taking uh, losses and some humiliating losses just to not go full total war means that there's no fucking way they're using nuclear weapons. 
You know what I mean? Yep. Like, that'd be the end of it for Russia. They would get annihilated off the face of the earth if that happened. All the oligarchs, I mean, it would be over for all these people. They don't want... <sighs> and, I, and I don't understand... Like, I know why the media and political class are doing what they're doing because they got to get their buddies at Halliburton paid. I get it, man. But I don't understand how we've come so fucking far away from reality that people can't just look at a, a set of facts on a timeline and say, you know what, that's probably what's happening. Like, I feel like you should be able to give a timeline with basic information. Like, this happened, this happened, here are some of the players involved here or who they get paid by or who they have stock in and blah, 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 who their friends are. So you can, it's like uh, Inspector, what's his name? Not, not Clouseau. Uh, who's the French dude? That's Inspector Clouseau? Yeah, it's Clouseau. No, 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 not that one. The, the one that's, um, <laughs> fuck. Inspector Gadget? Yeah. <laughs> dude, that was in my head. The whole I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, that it's, was in my head. I think it's Gadget, though, because he's French. Uh, no, <laughs> it, it's uh, Pyro or uh, Pyro something. I don't remember. Oh, oh, from uh, Murder on the Murder Orient on the Express. Orient, yeah. What, what is his name? But anyways, like he puts together a certain uh, a series of facts, like he's recounting his investigation, basically. And you arrive. Clouseau. Yeah, is it Clouseau? Oh, wait, no. No, Hold no. On. God damn it! It's, it starts with a P, I think. Pin- Pincho. Maybe. Perot. Perot. That's it. Yeah, but not Ross Perot. Right. Um, anyways, he lays out the facts of the case and the assumption by the writer, the the screenwriter, whomever it is, is that. And unless you have been hit in the head with a hammer recently, you can pretty much track those facts and you know where it's going to end, right? Like this, this, and this. And we thought it was this person, but here's this more other information. And by the way, it was this person that you were suspicious of the whole time. I feel like we haven't... It is no longer required for people in government to lay out a series of facts and evidence, whatever information that justify the action they're about to take. They just say, we support this. And because you're a Republican, you should also support it. Or because you're, and that's fucked. Like imagine you you talk about how good selection process is. Imagine if that's how it worked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's the (laughs) combat is the ultimate meritocracy because you're either better or you're not, right? And the result is pretty evident when you're not. Um, but a government, you have so much influence over so many people. I think now that the, the... I say now, this, how long has it been happening? It's been evolving, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the government now, in my opinion, is completely capable of of just letting people be comfortable. I'm just going to let you be comfortable. Mm. And they don't care. People don't care. How many people, you, this conversation itself, how many people, I mean, you guys are different, obviously. You do this thing mm. and you, you interject your smart ideas and you talk politics all the time. But how many people do this? No, very, very few. You're right. a, I mean, you're a small group of people, man. Yeah. And it, there's a whole lot of people out there that just, they plod along and they go to Walgreens and they get their stuff and they go to Walmart and they get mm. their food and they go, Back home, and they watch Netflix, and they play Pokemon or whatever they do. There's a whole lot of people like that, man. Yeah. Well, how do you, uh, you know, well, well, first, we're getting close to uh, an hour here. So tell me about your business stuff, and then uh, let's talk about how that, uh, 
the attitude you just described and your experience have kind of influenced that. Cool. So in the end of the bio, I guess, was too, right? You, you finish up this stuff, you, you go be a, a GRS agent, and, mm. you know, you don't, you're not happy. And then uh, I decided, uh, I just mentioned this the other day, one of my favorite blues artists is uh, Joe Bonamassa. A lot of people never even heard of this guy. He's like got 30 record albums, comes from Utica, New York. He's fantastic on the guitar. He wrote a song about a guy from Appalachia called uh, Black Lung Heartache, where he mm-hmm. carries a hammer like keys to a jail. That's a quote. And it's, I kind of carried my rifle and pistol like keys to a jail. I thought I would never do it anymore. And then I got to thinking, you know, why not go back to your strengths? Off-road racing doesn't work. GRS sucks. Let's teach people under the umbrella of decent leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's good leadership, but under this umbrella of good leadership, how to how to conduct yourself, mm. how to be the gunfighter mindset, how to, how to conduct yourself with a pistol or rifle, and then can I go to military and, and law enforcement officers and teach them how to do close quarter battle because I've done over a thousand hits against an armed enemy? Can I can I not help you with this? Mm. You know, and then canine integration. I, I was a canine guy for a while, and uh, canine integration saved lives. You know, we got twenty six dogs on the wall, twenty six names, and that's twenty six operators at the very least who, who came back home. So. Yeah, so that's what I do. now. So it's DutchChrisMoyer.com. It's DutchChrisMoyer Actual on Instagram. There is a Facebook thing. I don't do it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, slash worker does it for me. And then uh, YouTube. We're on YouTube too, Dutch Chris Moyer. But I, you know, I just, exposure's cool, and that's not necessarily why I wanted to come here. But yeah, exposure's cool. But you can't, you can't lose with it, right? Um, I, all I want to do now is I travel across the United States. I just came back from the TTPOA. That's why I'm here anyway. The Texas Tactical Patrol Officers yeah. Association. I was teaching there. I taught. I saw some smoke today, too, by the way. Uh, 103 degrees yesterday on the range, mm. uh, not counting the sun. And, uh, you know, so Saturday and Sunday were both two full days of pistol, uh, what we call evolutionary gunfighter mm. pistol, and just teaching officers some more techniques, thinking in a tactical mindset under that banner of leadership to be better and to be, you know, hope save lives. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the spiel. I think it's, uh, it's good for <clears throat> the officers. I mean, the repetitions are, that, that's what really matters. Key. But the attitude fucking matters too. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, everybody, Everybody's kind of uh, saying this in the gun world now, but dry firing is where the real work gets done a lot of times. This, uh, you know, going, working on your mechanics and shit. I wonder, um, you know, what I don't, what I haven't seen yet, and I see parts of it, like Tim Kennedy does his one here uh, for civilian folk, and it's like a day of combatives, uh, day of pistol, day of rifle, yep. day of survival. I think is is that's one of them he does. Mike Glover does a lot of that too. Yep. Um, what I haven't seen is some compilation or or whatever of like functional fitness and the like this the the man stuff that you might hear from um, uh, uh, daily over at uh, Daily Stoic or like Ryan McClure at Order of Man and shit like that combined with what Glover is doing with the outdoor survival stuff and the, the gun skills like that. That's the kind of thing. And the other part of it that I haven't seen is there doesn't appear to be any kind of train the trainer model in any of these things. So there's no, I guess it's the, the point of 
being trained to that level is to make you a force multiplier, right? Yep. That's the whole point. The trainer-trainer thing, I mean, I think that's, anybody could do that. I say anybody, those instructors you just listed mm-hmm. and some others, hey, let's, you know, so you just take, uh, how did I t- talk about the other day? So Pulse nightclub shooting. Mm-hmm. There was three different constabularies that showed up at Pulse nightclub. All three had a different idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. Not just in a different idea, but they don't, they didn't do CQB the same way. Right. They, so can we come together as a, can NTOA fix that? Can mm-hmm. you, excuse me, have one one body of knowledge that could come and say, this is the things that we need to do. Right. I just talked to an officer from Beaumont and he was like, dude, we, we get an instructor in this month mm. and he teaches us to do it this way. And then we have to switch it up for the next guy. That's, that's on set. Yeah. So, or, or can we just use a pipeline of, of knowledge when you do train the trainer? You tra- if you train 100 officers in these 10 counties, and then can we spread that knowledge out? You know, mm. but it's, maybe it's not always that easy. Um, you know, a lot of constabularies are afraid that military guys are going to teach their officers to be military guys, and they mm-hmm. don't want that. They right. don't want them to wear cry precision pants. They don't want them to wear, you know, well, the multicam. It's mm-hmm. the multicam is the key. Oh, I don't want to wear multicam. You look like an army guy. Um, man, it's it's kind of to save lives on the Walmart battlefield or or in Syria. It's mm-hmm. a, a lot of the same techniques, man. Yeah. A lot of the same techniques. And uh, there, there's a couple guys out there that, that are doing a thing together. I, I actually asked I know some of my other professionals to all come together and make this thing and do a, like, like you mentioned, one instructor does pistol, one instructor does rifle, mm. one instructor does TCCC, one instructor does hand-to-hand combat. And can we get all those guys mm. together and do that? And it is possible. And there's, another, there's guys out there that are doing some of those things. Um, not that uh, Mickey Shook needs any more pump that he's getting already from his own things but he does a thing called the s12 his uh his thing on ig and uh the social media is carry trainer mm. and he's a civilian but he brings together professionals from all over he's got a sf guy in his stable uh, instructor z he's a great guy they, i mean they they do a good thing they do a thing called the s12 mm. and they're i think they bring 12 different instructors in they even talk about survival stuff and they bring them together in one location and you pay big money or whatever and you hang out with them uh, and it's also man stuff. Mm. Well, they do man feeding. They do, you know, philosophy talk, talk, talking to them. I'm, I mean, I don't know all the details, but mm. there is something out there. Um, but I think what you're, what you're on to is I'd love to do stuff like that. Yeah. And it all comes from the whole, the whole thing comes from leadership, man. Mm. That's what's wrong with our country right now. We don't have leaders. Yeah, we don't. I mean, it's one of the, we have people telling us what to do. And, you know, that that's part of it, I guess. Right? Is instru- the instructional portion, but um, maybe the more important one is setting and holding a standard. Right? We're kind of doing away with all that because it's, I also agree. It, it's it makes people uncomfortable to have their effort or ideology challenged. Yeah. But you you personally should be constantly challenging your own ideology. Yes. Effort, like always. Dude, are we just going to go lockstep no matter what? I'm, yeah. I'm a lockstep Republican. You know, never yeah. challenging. No, it's challenging everything yeah. all the time. Especially for yourself. Like, that's where it starts. But, but, but people don't do that for themselves unless they see other people doing it for themselves. Or, or do you see here, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you see a trend or have we seen a trend? And maybe in Austin you see it more <laughs> because it's Austin. Yeah, yeah. There's less of a, a need for men to, to be fulfilled. That's not right. To see and try to emulate a heroic lifestyle. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's more about 
uh, you're uh, a man, so you don't have an you don't you don't you're not allowed an opinion on this kind of situation. <laughs> Even worse. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's kind of, that's kind of what it is, though. It's it's trying to uh, remove the agency away from the person, which is what authoritarian states do. You know what I mean? And it's not just it's like we've seen it from every possible political angle, right, left, like anywhere, and it's had to do with rights and money and all sorts of other stuff trying to take the agency away from the individual so the the end of rugged individualism right so when i see the state say it's okay to be comfortable just be comfortable yeah instead of the young man grows up and goes i want to make a difference i want to be a hero yeah i you know i I grew up watching vic morrow on on combat Mm. and and james t kirk Mm. dude james t kirk he always said hey take take me don't take my crew Mm. you know i'll do the right thing you know it's yeah it's I mean, he got had some other issues, but <laughs> which I enjoyed. But the, it, I mean, just or it's the Tolkien or mm-hmm. uh, C.S. Lewis, even whatever. They, you you need heroes, man. Mm-hmm. You need people that want to step up. Give me the ball. The, what was I talking? Yeah, two uh, two other police officers the other day talking about. I can't make decisions. They're like, well, we can't say this because we're in danger of losing our careers mm-hmm. or getting our careers uh, derailed. And I said, you guys, here's the thing too. You guys are leaders. You have to be leaders. You have to. If you see something going sideways, you have to stand up and go, look, hey, this this is going sideways. Yeah, and this is the reason why. The, I mean, I hope so because there's nobody else that can do that. I fucking like, hope the, so, man. That's the only. You know, that's the only way to deal with that situation. Well, I'm I'm concerned that the United States military isn't doing it either. So, no, certainly not. When I got out in 13, you go to ACAP brief. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the, in the back of the ACAP brief because I don't want to talk to anybody up front. <laughs> and um, it's just the formalities you have to go through. And some the proctor asked a question and nobody answered it. And mm-hmm. I raised my hand. I said, "This is the answer." And she said, "That's right." She went on to speak some more. And then three rows up in front of me, a woman. Turns around. She turns around. Mm-hmm. She says, "Hey, you must be an officer." I said, "I am. I'm a non-commissioned officer." <laughs> I said, "So are you." Yeah. So people, but they've forgotten it. Yeah. You're a non-commissioned officer, man. You got some juice. Yeah. There's a great scene in uh, Glory where they where Morgan Freeman becomes the sergeant major, mm-hmm. and they give him the you know you know it says that the Union Army can never give. Uh, cannot give at this time commission officers uh, or black men they can't make black men commission officers but yeah. nobody said anything about non-commissioned officers right but non-commissioned officers has some juice but people don't want to take it yeah they forget i mean we it's it's uh you know it's meant to be a meritocracy one that's not risk averse like it, that's that's what being a leader is about is about is is i guess messaging correctly getting everybody on board to take well thought out and well managed risk. Yes, that's that's like the the per, especially in the operator community. But I think just in general, that's what leadership is. I mean, think about the first settlers of anywhere, or people who uh, at, back in the day in uh, in in Egypt who figured out how to how to make aqueducts in Rome and how to make like how to how to build a better static civilization. That's a risk. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Uh, Every great thing that's happened in, in human history has been associated with some level of risk. Risk. Everything we do is risk. Yeah. Yes, 100% agree. This is, this is what, this is a whole other wormhole, but we, this is what happened with COVID. Mm. What, what, the, what the hell happened? Mm. These people went crazy. It's a 99% survival rate, and yet, oh, there was no risk. Yeah. We're shutting everything down. Well, we're seeing it now, right? Like China is, is 
you, you can't get away with what they did, what they're doing here, but that that's the result of it. It's like like the worst kind of authoritarianism you're ever going to see. The stuff they're doing in Shanghai, huh? Yeah, that, that's the result of that kind of ideology. Now, Crazy. Luckily, uh, American people are pretty averse to that sort of thing. Uh, well, some of are them. we? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I would say still a majority are, but I think you're right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's getting weird. Luckily, we've got people like you out there spreading the good word, <laughs> teaching people how to fucking do shit. So, thanks, bro. Uh, tell us again. We got to get out of here. Tell us again where we can find you so people can check your shit. Our website is DutchChrisMoyer.com, and we want to make it better a website, but it's uh, it's getting there. DutchChrisMoyer.com, um, Dutch Chris Moyer actual on IG and uh, Facebook and Dutch Chris Moyer on the YouTube. And, yeah, I hope to see you on the range uh, sometime this, uh, this year. Yeah, we'll see you around. Uh, till then, we'll see you in hell. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.